Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Tom Bernard Show with Doug Sprinthal. Co host Catherine Brandt. Andy Brandt Bernard. Cassie Schrader. Speaking of Doug Sprinthal, Walzer Automotive Group, walzer.com. So at the top of the hour, we were talking, at the beginning of the broadcast, we were talking about uh, me bitching about how difficult it is to buy a new cell phone and all the hoops they make you jump through. And I said, you know, if Walzer ever sold cars like that, we'd be out of business in a, in a week. So I got an email from a woman, and I asked her if I could read the letter because I think it's kind of funny. And oh, she I says... Could. Uh, her name's Jolene Wallace, and she writes, I had to email you after I heard you on KQ this morning. Saturday morning, I walked into Walzer GMC, it was in Bloomington, and said I wanted to buy a new Yukon Denali. Started the process, and I said, I have to leave at a certain time as I have an appointment at my cell phone store to get a new phone, but I'll just do that, and I'll come right back to finish up. When I finally got back to Walzer, the sales guy was like, I started to wonder if you were coming back, and my comment was exactly this. Who would have thought it was bu- that buying a $70,000 vehicle is easier than it is to buy a new cell phone? Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Jolene. So Thank true. you, Jolene. <laughs> Walzer Automotive Group, walzer.com. Michael Bryant, Brad Sean Bryant, what's the latest? Well, basically, we're trying to represent people who have been hurt and talk to them before they talk to an adjuster. Uh, one of the key points is to make sure you know what your rights are before you start talking to the insurance company and they start asking you questions or they try to settle your case early and cheap. Well, what's interesting to me is, you know, a lot of people have fear of attorneys. It makes them very uncomfortable. They get nervous about it. What should I do? I've known Michael for years and years now, and I would highly recommend you. So that should be good enough for everybody because I don't endorse people who are dirtbags. Well, I, I appreciate that. Um, but I guess the key is, is people think I'll charge them if I talk to them. Right. So a lot of people call me up. It's like, how much is this going to cost if you call me back? Like, you want me to call you back? How much will that cost? I don't charge people. The only way I get paid is if we recover, um, if we get money from the, the other side. And there's a lot of people I talk to that I never get paid for that are just part of giving them advice to make sure they know what they can do and what their rights are. And your record's terrific as well, we should point out. Well, it works. It's been good. <laughs> it's been good, ladies and gentlemen. It's been good. And how do they contact you? And, uh, e- either through our website, which is minnesotapersonalinjury.com, minnesotapersonalinjury.com, or at 800-770-7008. Michael Bryant, Bradshaw, and Bryant. We are back, ladies and gentlemen. I have, um, what? Sorry. I have found that when um, you have a really good deal, like with a checking account or a cell phone, and they want to talk you into a new plan, mm-hmm. 
It's never to your benefit. Oh, I know. I used yeah. to have don't unlim- ever do unlimited data with yeah. a certain yeah. cell phone provider. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You can't get that anymore for nope. most places. Right. No. Yeah, I've been with my cell phone provider. I've been with them since 2000. And you like them? I love them. Well, you can tell us who they are because I, I don't want to like blast them. one that we that I don't I mean, like. I, I've been, I was with them when they were voice stream. And then they moved over to T-Mobile. Oh, wow. T-Mobile. Yep. And, we did uh, T-Mobile for years and years. No, and we then did, yeah. I think it's when we moved into town. We, uh, because of the tower, the oh, way the, the tower is, we couldn't get any. Well, it was yeah. either that or the they fact moved. that AT&T became a huge advertiser in the KQ market. That might have been. <laughs> or that might have had something to do with it. I don't know. I, yeah, I've, I haven't had much issues service-wise with them. I mean, I have my dead spots, but... Any cell yeah. phone yeah. service is going to have that. That's true. Yeah. So wait, you talk on your phone? <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> You're one of those you talk? weirdo freak alien people. Why would you talk into your texting device? I, yeah. I do. I know. Exactly. I know they have like those gifts where it's like it says when you text somebody and they call you back and the eyes are just like wide open. Like why would you do that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, they'll I get over. I texted you because I don't want to talk. Oh my! My stepdaughter. Her her voicemail says. Um, it says, hi, you've reached Pacey. Just text me. That's there you That's go. her voice message. Just text me. That's great. I know. You have to text people to pick up their phone. Pick up your phone. I know. I'm yeah. calling. Otherwise, no way. Well, my previous number before I, I just got my number changed like two weeks ago. And before that, I didn't pick up my phone because I would literally get six spam calls a day. Yeah. I couldn't yeah. pick up my phone. Oh, God, it's horrible. Now I get zero. So whatever. Yeah, till they whatever, find you again. Whatever schmuck gets that number is going to be <laughs> schmuck. A That's nice, schmuck. Well, it's true. That number is ruined. It is great when you get a new phone number and it was somebody else's. They go, "Let me talk to Bill." Oh my I'm God! Like, I have no idea that, what the hell you're talking. My about. cell phone number is very close to a medical device company. Oh yeah, no. Yeah. So I get. I've gotten like old ladies calling saying that their batteries ran out in their their medicine dispenser thing and that they need help. And I'm like, you called the wrong number. And I remember one time they left a message. So Dave called them back because I was like, oh, that was the weirdest message ever. So Dave called. She goes, well, she told them to shut up and (laughs) just get her some, shut up and give me some help and hung up on them. And I'm like, oh my God. Shut up and give me some help. I like that. I feel bad. I just like, yeah, it's like one number off. So I'm always getting these calls for I think it's called like anodyne medical device. Oh yeah, anodyne. Yep. Yep. So yeah. yeah. <laughs> maybe you should get a job with them. Yeah, just, maybe like, become I a should. freelance employee. You pretty so. much just gave four hundred thousand people your that? phone number. Well, yeah, yeah, you pretty much I know. did. That's well, true. They don't know which. Did. There's I, a lot right. of options there. <laughs> yeah. A Pennsylvania man has been holding yard sales to pay for funeral expenses. The catch, as per the AP, is it's his own funeral. Some of his customers are going to step further to help. David Dunkelberger says, <laughs> oh, bad. that's nice. That's too bad. Says the he, Dunkelberger? The David Dunkelberger okay. says he and his friend Ed Sheets, oh, Sheet, come Dunkelberger on. and this Sheets, is a fake story. pulled into a yard sale in Brownstown last month. He says the man running it, Willie Davis, told him he was selling his belongings to pay for a funeral. When asked whose funeral, the 66-year-old Davis replied, mine. Davis, who served in the Navy in the 1970s, has been diagnosed with stage 4 squamous cell carcinoma. His name is David, so whatever site that is is wrong. David Davis? David Dunkelberger. Yeah, but Willie Davis is the guy who's who's dying. Dunkelberger isn't dying? No, (laughs) Dunkelberger... 
Who's on you got to start paying attention to the show. Which one is he? David Dunkelberger says he and his friend Ed Sheets went to a yard sale. Oh, they went to, to the Willie yard sale. Davis. Oh, Jesus. Well, David and Davis, I don't know. Yeah, nice job. What's on third? What? I did find David's Twitter account. David Dunkelberger? Yes. Big thank you to Fox News for sharing our story, et cetera, et cetera. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, it's very nice. Navy veteran with terminal cancer, yeah. That's exactly it. Davis, who served in the Navy in the 1970s, has been diagnosed with stage 4 squamous cell carcinoma. He hopes to be buried next to his parents in Culpeper, Virginia. Sheets tells W, w Jack. That's nice. Uh, it broke your heart hearing Davis's story, so the two set up a GoFundMe page to help offset funeral costs. As of this writing, more than twenty-one thousand dollars has been raised. That's that's a pretty good funeral, isn't it? Twenty-one grand. That's probably about uh, how much they cost. Yeah, I was going to say that's like a run-of-the-mill funeral. I oh, think. it is. Oh, they're expensive. Oh, yes. well, unless you go up in flames, and that's, that's less. That's what we do with my mom. The average traditional funeral is between seven and ten thousand dollars. Well, that's not bad. Uh, okay, so that's yeah, that's not bad. Ten thousand dollars to bury somebody. That's a lot of money. Well, look, it might have been a little more. What for... are you going to do? Throw them in the lake? <laughs> exactly. Let the sunfish have you. Yeah. Viking funeral. Oh. That's very oh. similar to what we do with oh. my mom. Troll him, troll him behind the pontoon boat. Oh no! Until he falls apart. <laughs> no, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna have a horse drawn carriage bring Tom through North Minneapolis, down Plymouth Avenue, down Plymouth it's Avenue. It's all through down Plymouth Avenue, down West Broadway. In front of all of the Democratic Party officials. Officials, yes. <laughs> Why, you know, I noticed something about this. that, by the way. When I walk through this building, mm-hmm. and this office, as a matter of fact, it's really funny because about half the men, not, not women, but about half the men will not make eye contact with me. And I don't know why that is. You are so oddly sensitive to... Yeah. No, no, no. I mean, seriously, no, every, no, time we no, dri- no. every time we drive through our neighborhood... If somebody's walking and they don't wave and have a big smile on their face, Tom's like, what's wrong with that guy? He's really friendly. It's like, you don't talk to anybody in the neighborhood. They don't probably even know who you are. But here's the deal. <laughs> the, uh, you, do, you know, out of the corner of your eye, as they say, you catch people looking at you. And then when you look over at them, they look away. Sure. What is that? In Scandinavia. <laughs> well, that's or a New York City. That's what it is. New York City's another candidate. Oh, that's I think true. People, I, a lot of times, I I see people and it's like, I, oh God, they look like somebody I know, and then yeah. I'm trying to think of who they are, or maybe they have a nice shirt on, and you're thinking, I'd like to buy that shirt. Who knows? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, people look at people for all kinds of reasons. It's so maybe do guys do that to other guys? I don't know. Like look at you and you look over at them, and they look away. I don't know. It's really weird. I think everyone does paid that. attention yeah. to it. I paid plenty of attention. So for Andy, who doesn't look at anybody, even when his own father's trying to run him down in the intersection. <laughs> they didn't even know it was me. It was phenomenal. We have Jeff on the phone. Jeff Mudgett, how are you, sir? Hey, I'm, you know what? I'm fine, but I'm just enjoying the heck out of you guys back and forth. Why don't you guys keep going? I want to listen. Well, have you ever noticed that, Jeff, that people... Well, particularly since you've been on national, international television, people must look at you and try to... To figure out where they know you from, and then when you look at them, they kind of look away. Does that happen to you? You know, when I had my Andy Warhol 15 minutes of fame last year, <laughs> I, I know I know what you're talking about, but now there's none of it now. It's it's all gone. It's all gone. Really, it lasted like one year. That was a deal. Yeah, about one year. I mean, the, my my greatest moment, if I can share it with you, I was getting off an American Airlines flight in Dallas and. And the captain steps out of the cockpit after doing a grease landing. And he says, hey, everybody, we've got Jeff Mudgett from the American Ripper on the, on the plane. 
And I was like, holy cow, where did that come from? Yeah, isn't that wonderful? I like that. Yeah, it felt good. It felt good. It felt good. Jeff Mudgett <laughs> is the great-great-grandson of America's most prolific serial killer, H.H. Holmes, also known as The Devil in the White City. He has authored a book called Bloodstains that talks about the horrendous crimes and the fact that Jeff has comp- uh, compiled some important facts that may tie H.H. H. Holmes to the notorious Jack the Ripper cases. American Ripper, I cannot believe that was a, over a year ago yeah. already. Man. It, it certainly went quick. Yeah, it did. It was a, I, we never missed an episode. We watched every week. As a matter of fact, Cassie and Dave told us about it, and then we tuned in and started watching it, and you were on last year during the run of the show. It was very, very interesting, and I still want to know if you ever found anything in those, those pods down at the bottom of the Chicago River. Well, that, I'll tell you, that, that's, a funny, that's a funny part of the story. I'm convinced, you know, those two pods... The, the coffin-shaped concrete blocks. Yes, yes. Were were something definitely relating to Holmes, and and you know when I when I asked the production crew about, hey, can can we get history to fund dredging those up and then opening them up to see what's inside? Um, they came back to me and said that the uh, the city the city uh, the city managers had refused our request. Right. So, about six months ago, I was at a party in Chicago, and one of the uh, mayor's assistants came over to me and said, why didn't you dummies ever ask us for permission to pull those pods up out of the river? And oh. I went, what? what? That's terrible. So, so, yeah. who, so who is lying to you? I don't know. And, you know, I'm probably violating like 10 non-disclosure agreements. Yeah, even mentioning it, so. Just tell them you know me. You'll be yeah. fine. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, okay. <laughs> there you go. Uh, no, I, I, I did. I became a big fan, and, and Jeff was on last year. Loved talking to you, and I'm glad you're you're back on today. Um, so why, I, I suppose, see, to me, I wanted to find out much more about uh, the American Ripper, about H.H. H. Holmes, about, there, there are tons of shows on now about Jack the Ripper, uh, speculation of who he was and where he was from originally. Did they all, they kind of, I think, watched your show and decided, hey, we should do that. It's what it looks like to me anyway. Well, you know, he, he had that phrase, Jack the Ripper, is probably the most widely known in the English language across the world. Yeah, sure. And you, you can bring it up in Pakistan and people know what you're talking about. And when, you know, when history came to me and said, you know, we've listened to your TED talk, we're fascinated with your theory about Holmes having been the Ripper, we want to do a show. I, I thought it was, my, I, I knew it was my big shot at, you know, letting the world know why I thought the facts matched up. And to their credit, I thought history did an amazing job. Some of their historic recreations I thought should have won awards. And yeah. The actor that played, the actor that played Holmes was incredible. And I they, agree. they put a lot of money in, they put a lot of money into the show. And that last final episode actually set records for them as far as people watching. Oh yeah. I watched, like I said, Catherine and I watched every moment of it. There was a Jack the Ripper. I can't even remember where I saw it or whatever. But they said in that uh, on that show that all these movies, not not your show, but all the movies about Jack the Ripper, they always make the the hookers that he killed young and beautiful, but they were actually middle aged women, weren't they? In a lot of cases, very big women. And they were probably ravaged by disease, so they probably yeah. didn't look great. 
Yeah, so I mean, did, did you find that to be true that that because Jack the Ripper, like uh, uh, from Hell, was that Johnny Depp? I think yeah. played in, in that. Uh, all the hookers that were killed were just stunningly beautiful, and they're about twenty years old. And I don't know. I, I suppose that's the Hollywood take well, on everything. Yeah, unfortunately, that's how they give value to the women. Oh, yeah. I mean, sorry, that's just how it is. Catherine's being crabby, Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> No, I, I think I think historically you're right on the, the the five victims. You know, let me get let me get one point straight. I my theory, I think I've proven that Holmes killed Catherine Eddowes, one yeah. of the five. Yep. And you know, history and I we went back and forth about the show having to be about all five of the victims, and I and I know where they're coming from. That's the Jack the Ripper concept. Yeah. But you're right. The, the five victims, they were not going to win any awards for Miss London. No, there's no question about that. I, uh, you know, we're, we, the whole thing that fascinates me is what got into, and then Herman Mudgett was his real name, right? H.H. H. Holmes? Herman Webster Mudgett. Herman Webster Mudgett. Yeah, my great-great-grandfather. Your great-great-grandfather, yeah. Herman Webster Mudgett. Um, did, did you... As we went along and watched the show, you thought, why did he, what appeared in his mind, like, I have to build this room like this, and there has to be a chute down to this one, there has to be, you know, like, uh, little gas outlets in other rooms. How did, did you ever wonder about why did all this stuff occur to him in the first place? You know, he had an incredible intellect, but I think, as with all people of incredible intellect, they're strange, they're strange detours up in our, that mind yeah. of theirs. And he obviously had some, I mean, he was one of the highest ranked IQs ever at the university of Michigan, but you know, that, that place at 63rd and Wallace was where he conducted, he used to call it his insurance work. And oh, he yeah. would set up, a, he would set up a scheme either murder or collect a cadaver from the Chicago Academy of Sciences and then forge a life insurance policy yeah. so that he could, he could submit the policy and then collect on the policy. And, you know, back in those days, a 10, a 10 or $20,000 payoff was great money. Oh, yeah. And that's where he made his living. That's where he made his living. <laughs> this is how he makes his money. I have to take a very, very quick break. Jeff, you're with us for the hour, I understand. Is that true? Yeah, I'd love to. Wonderful. We'll be right back. More with Jeff Mudgett right after this Tom Bernard Show. It's Tom here to tell you how easy it was for me to hit my goal of 92.5-pound weight loss at Nutramost Twin Cities in Plymouth with their weight loss plan. I started in March, and in just over five months, I learned about clean eating, and I now know the foods that work for me and the weight gain trigger foods. I'm now on the reset phase, and then on to the Nutramost Forever Maintenance Program, which I'll be talking about more in the weeks to come. Find out how to have success losing weight like I did. Attend the Nutramost Twin Cities in Plymouth free informational dinner. It's on Monday, September 17th, 6.30 p.m. at Jake's in Plymouth. I'll see you there. Those extra pounds melt away really fast with this easy program. Nutramost Twin Cities in Plymouth will guarantee that you lose 20 pounds or more in just 40 days. Nutramost helped me change my life, and they can help you too. I guarantee you that. Register for the Nutramost Twin Cities in Plymouth dinner. It is on September 17th. Call 763-333-7337. That is 763-333-7337. 
a program that benefits the homeowner and not the realtor? Do you want a guaranteed offer on your home? Hey, it's Tom with my realtor, Chris Lindahl, who has some exciting news to share. Hey, Tom, we are super excited to announce our guaranteed offer program. Here's how it works. If you qualify, we will guarantee you an offer on your house within 48 hours, which means you could be closing in three weeks. No staging, no cleaning, no decluttering, and of course, no open houses. This is your hassle-free way to sell your home. If you qualify for the program, you will get a competitive offer in 48 hours, period. Sounds like a stress-free way to sell your home. It is, Tom. Some homeowners want the convenience to be able to sell their home quickly without going through the stress of showings, open houses, and so many more headaches, especially if they found their dream home and need to sell fast. You do need to qualify for this program, but that's quick and convenient as well. To see if you qualify for the Guaranteed Offer Program from Chris Lindahl Real Estate, go to chrislindahl.com right now or call 763-401-SOLD. Once again, that's chrislindahl.com, Chris with a K. Don't fear the reaper. Yep. Reaper, ripper. What's Jeff that? the reaper. Uh, Jeff, uh, Cassie's here. She's stirring the pot. Don't, don't fear the ripper. Something like that. Jeff Mudgett, our very special guest, American Ripper, ended August 29th of 2017, a year after. And New Findings authored the book Bloodstains. Let's hear about blood. I want to hear all about bloodstains. Your stuff is fascinating, Jeff. Uh, One thing American Ripper did for me, Tom, was that it, we've established that my theory that he escaped execution is true. And I love going on shows like yours now to be able to explain, you know, my, my, my understanding of the evidence that we dug up and how the University of Pennsylvania, the anthropologists there, were pretty much fooled by the greatest con that ever struck Chicago, you know, Holmes, 100 years after he was he, he did it and uh, you know just going on your show and being able to tell your listeners how despite all the claims from everyone I work with there was never any DNA that matched my father's and mine oh really and and I think I think that I've been trying to get NBC and CBS and ABC to correct the headlines they erroneous they erroneously put up last year and now it's not the news they need, I guess, to make a living. So it's it's hard to get a reaction. So you guys letting me come on and explain it now is a big help. You know, Jeff, I'll tell you, it's amazing to me that you're right. It's not uh, the news they want anymore. And that annoys me to no mm -hmm. end that these big, uh, so, well, not as big as they used to be, but the big networks, the big four networks, uh, they just, they don't care. They want to tell you what they want to tell you. And if it's the news, great. And if it's not. Too bad, because that's what we're telling you. That that does annoy me to no end. Well, they had, you know, they knew there was four million people watching the show, and that was news. So their headlines yeah. followed right after that final final episode. And and I called them and I said, you know, your headlines are wrong, guys. The University of Pennsylvania just told the Associated Press there was no DNA. You've got to change those headlines. And they said, oh, we're sorry, we'll get to it. And about two months <laughs> later, they came up yeah. with these little. With these little smudges on the bottom of page six, yeah. God, I tell you, you know, actually, you uh, being uh, the descendant of uh, Herman Mudgett, H. H. Holmes, the closest I can even come to that, and it has nothing to do with murder. But I had an uncle who had narcolepsy, and you know what he did for a living? He was no. a school bus driver. <laughs> 
What a great idea. <laughs> he was. He had sleeper, sleeping disease, and he was a school bus driver. <laughs> Let's see. Narcolepsy in the 60s. I'm guessing he was on some sort of amphetamine all the time. Yeah. Because that's like the only thing they could have used to treat it. Could, which... they, could they combine it with booze? <laughs> not, if, just... not if he wanted yeah, to, to keep his liver for very long. So, so you did you all... That all, that all... Go ahead, sir. That almost sounds. That almost sounds like an FBI background check. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it does, kind of. What, how old were you when you found out that uh, you were a direct descendant of Herman Mudgett and that Herman Mudgett was H. H. Holmes? At what age did you know this? You know, I tried to. Ex- I tried to explain that in the book. I was yeah. forty years old. I was forty years old when my grandfather, having the family sitting around him at at dinner explained that he had a secret to tell Uh-oh. and uh, looking directly at me explained how his grandfather was perhaps the most evil man in American history. And I'll never forget my grandmother who was this stoic, oh. really tough. I loved her to death lady. And she looked at him and you could tell the stuff going through her head. She wouldn't have married him had he told her the truth. Oh, I suppose. Um, so she was mad at him for telling the story or, or just, finding out about the story did she know this before oh i tell you what when the family left the house that night i guarantee you there was an ass with them (laughs) well i'm glad to hear that you know it's interesting i just read into the uh the five canonical murders of jack the ripper and everyone knows that they were all prostitutes but another pattern that nobody seems to talk about is that they were all alcoholics and they were all formerly married, which really? I think is an interesting pattern. A boozy divorcee? Yeah, I'm wondering if maybe mommy was a alcoholic oh. prostitute. You think? What do you think of that? What do you think of that theory, Jeff? You know, I think that was probably fairly common back then. The Whitechapel area was a tough place to live, and those uh, and those and those gals and those gals, bless their hearts, were were trying to feed their families. And I would imagine anything they could do to put food on the table, you know, was where they were going. And yeah. they were just un- they were just unfortunate to pass across of you know the path of this evil man. And and what I tried to do was. Oh, I, I knew when Herman was in London. I knew the ships that he used to pass back and forth on. I knew I had great examples of his handwriting. I knew I had some notes that he'd written about hating London because he couldn't find his favorite New York newspapers there that he'd written his lawyer. And then I had the my breakthrough came, and it's never been refuted, guys, when an outfit at the University of Buffalo that the FBI and the CIA used to match handwriting agreed to take the Dear Boss letter and my and my grand, great-grandfather's letters and run them through the machine. And the machine came back 97%. And you know what, guys? I've never had anyone ref, refute that computer finding. And I'm still waiting for someone, Scotland Yard or somebody, to say, you know what, Mudgett, that just doesn't add up. But it's been years later and no one yet. It is an amazing story. We're talking to Jeff Mudgett, ladies and gentlemen. Herman Mudgett, alias H.H. H. Holmes, was America's first serial killer. No one knows for sure how many lives he took, but it is believed he was responsible for killing as many as 200 people. My God. How did he never get caught? This is bizarre. You know, that, that uh, death 
total causes me anguish everywhere I go. There's historians that want to actually come to come to blows over it. I don't know how many people he murdered, Tom. I do know this. He was an expert in eliminating forensic evidence of murder. Oh, yeah. He even built, he even built a, a murder castle, a hotel, where he had furnaces that could reach 6,000 degrees in acid baths. Oh, and, and, and I go to places, and these historians want to say that's where he grew his roses. And, you know, it's just ridiculous. So... I don't, I don't, I try to stay away from the exact number of murders, okay. but it was, it was in between, it, it was more than 20 and probably, you know, in between 20 and 200. Somewhere in, in between that area. Yeah. I, uh, it is amazing that he was just driven to build this murder cast. And didn't you, didn't you say at one point in uh, American Ripper that, that there's a post office there now, right? Where, where the, yeah, the which is. Which is one of my pet peeves. The, the U.S. government, knowing what the murder castle had been, but wanting the property because it sat on the junction of two rail lines and, and between you know, the, the, the lake and downtown Chicago, they, they, they bought it, took it down, and put a post office over the top when I'm convinced they violated about 50 laws knowing that murders had been committed there oh, yeah. that were never investigated. Yeah. And that's, that was one of my... Uh, that was one of my you know, the, my goals on my journey was to have the government admit they'd done that, they'd made, they'd made an error, and they wanted to go back and do some DNA testing on those grounds. And hopefully with help from like your show, we can get them to do that one day. You know, Jeff, it's amazing because I remember at one point during the, the run last year, there was a, a tree in front of the post office that you wanted to uproot because you, you did believe there might have been some forensic evidence underneath the, the uh, planting of that tree. Yeah, and that ran into two walls, Tom. That ran into uh, budget problems, and it ran into the U.S. government saying absolutely not. Yeah, one thing a lot of people don't know is that old trees, like if a tree is over maybe 100 years old, it's worth probably more than your house. Really? Yeah, because, I mean, you can't really replace it. So if you cut, suppose, if you go onto someone's property and cut down an old tree on their property— then you now probably owe them upwards of $100,000. Whoops. Yeah. So so that's why uh, they didn't want to do it, you think, Andy? That was probably a big part of it. The the tree was just too valuable. I don't know. It was pretty interesting just when you laid out the whole plan and kind of mapped the area, why they would have planted that tree there in the first place. Or uh, how old was that tree? Or how old is that tree, I should say? Well, it was planted after they tore the building down, That's maybe thought, in the yeah. 30s. So, it, you know, it had really nothing to do with the murders. It was, it was the post office's way of maybe uh, disguising what those grounds really had been. And, you know, we went to the, the post office. I went back to D.C. with my lawyer, and I told them, listen, we'll do this in a very, you know, uh, responsible way we won't interfere with the post office operations we'll get to paul university to do all the digging the archaeology and we'll submit all the findings to you that a final report can be done in your in the fashion you find you know desirable and and, and they said you know we're going to let you do a budget we're going to let you put a little concrete block that say i'm sorry everybody my great-great-grandfather killed a bunch of people here <laughs> well that's nice of them That'll work out really, yeah, really well. Yeah. Very, very genuinely yeah. nice. Jeff, do you ever 
Uh, and I don't know how this would have happened, but it could have happened, I guess. Do you ever run in to the uh, the great-great-grandchildren of uh, one of the people that your great-great-grandfather killed? Have you ever run across somebody like that? Yeah, quite a few times. The, the best really? one I can tell you, the best one I can tell you about is two ladies came up to me at a book signing in Indiana, and they said, "We just want you to know we we followed every step of your journey. We, my family believes he murdered our great great aunt, and we think it's amazing what you're doing. And we hope one day that you'll be able to identify her remains so that we can give her the proper funeral she's always with her." Oh man, that's a lot of weight on your shoulders, yeah. isn't it? Oh, that 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 I walked away feeling quite obligated with that and quite happy about mm-hmm. that someone could be you know, you walk away, I know on your show you have this happen all the time. You walk away from some guests and discussions thinking, "Man, this place just doesn't work. It just doesn't add up this place we live on." Those type of events when two gals come up to you like that and they're acting so reasonably, so good. Yeah makes you realize it's a good thing to be a human being right now. It's a good thing. Yeah, see, that's uh, maybe we should pass that on to everybody on uh, Facebook and Twitter so they can start acting like human <laughs> beings again. Good luck. <laughs> it's just, it's, uh, that's a, I, I, you know, I know people complain about Facebook a lot, Tom, but it's what's given me my opportunity to bypass major media to get my story out, yeah, and I, yeah. I, find it, I find it priceless. Oh, I could. I think the idea is wonderful. It's just the people that get on it ruin it by their hatred of everyone and everything. Turning like, everything into a political yeah, arena. Everything's a political thing on there, on, especially on Twitter. It's really, uh, including our president, by the way. He likes to get on Twitter and rail on everybody. It's pretty amazing when you read that stuff. But I, I just, yeah, I suppose looking back, uh, what H.H. H. Holmes did all those many, many years ago, there is... I don't see how you could possibly do... Well, first of all, you're not going to build a murder hotel. That's not going to happen no. because people find out immediately. It was a much different life back then. You could do, you could get away with a lot of stuff back yeah. then, I would imagine. Well, you, you didn't have DNA. You didn't have blood testing. You didn't have fingerprinting. So right off the bat, a killer like him had the upper hand where these days with video cameras and detection devices, you know, everywhere we walk, I I agree with you. It would be impossible for someone as psychopathic as he obviously was to do it again. Now, you know, they go for the mass killing in one event thing. He did this over a lifetime. And I'm convinced that what we proved that it wasn't him in that grave was perhaps the greatest story about Holmes yet untold about how he planned this scheme how he wanted to be arrested, how he went to trial knowing he was going to fire his own lawyers and conduct his own defense, yeah. how he knew what prison they were going to put him in, how he planned the escape from prison and then substituted another body in his place. And, Tom, that gave him the blank check he needed to start another life of killing. And did, did, were, you ever, I mean, were you able to trace that? I remember you standing over the grave uh, in the in the series last year, it, w- it was pretty fascinating because, as you were talking about that thing, all of that pre-planning. And she said he was a brilliant man, obviously, uh, but he spent all that genius on. Was he? I, I, I said, you have to be such a narcissist, I would imagine, to head down the road he headed down. 
that, that, that life was all about him and nobody else really mattered, it seemed. Well, he liked, he liked money and he liked women. And when a woman got in the way of him getting more money, she was off. God. So he, he had a goal in life, and it was to be rich, wealthy, powerful, and to enjoy the luxuries of life. And, you know, you see, I see artist depictions of when, when he was in prison, the Hearst Corporation paid him almost $10,000 to write his memoirs. Oh, man. And they let him pose. They let him pose in the jail cell. And he's dressed out in his formal suit that he would have worn to a party at, oh. on, you know on broad on broad street and it's that's the way he was he's quite the character maybe maybe as unique as anyone in american history and i'm hoping i'm just hoping guys that martin scorsese and leonardo dicaprio get off their asses and do the movie <laughs> the devil in the white city i love it you know because oh they're gonna dicaprio is gonna be incredible as home we will be right back just a couple of minutes. More with Jeff Mudgett right after this Tom Bernard Show. John, I just got another complaint about our delivery service. Oh, not again. Yep, we have to do something about our courier service. You know, they're a reflection of us. What happened now? Well, you know that one driver that has the dog that rides with him? Uh-huh. Well, when he got out of his truck to deliver our package, his dog got out and delivered, well, uh, his own package, if you know what I mean. That's it. I want you to call... Priority Courier Experts, because you know they've got more than 500 drivers. And tell them we need... A professional, reliable courier service. And make sure they have internet order entry and real-time tracking you know i had priority courier experts account rep in here about a month ago and who knows how many accounts we could have serviced better if we had just signed up and started using the twin cities largest most reliable on-call courier service what's that number because the next package is going with priority courier experts already dialing 651-748-4477 priority courier experts can we help you can you ever priority courier experts every time you call us we deliver Tom here for Sabre Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning. When you call Sabre for service, you'll get a certified technician that's an expert at diagnosing, repairing, and installing heating and air conditioning equipment. Sabre Techs give you the service you need, not the other stuff that you don't need. When you combine that with Sabre's A rating for customer service and the best equipment from Bryant, you get exactly what you need. So make the call to Sabre Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning today. Sabre and Bryant, whatever it takes. Cassie's getting all clever with the music today. This is kind of eerie. Back. It's loser. Back. It's I'm a loser, baby. Jeff Mudgett, our special guest. Cassie is here. Cassie and I were talking during the break there, Jeff, that uh, she'd asked you a question once about facial reconstruction of the remains in the grave. Cassie, what about that? Well, I uh, when I was in Michigan Barracon, uh, I asked Jeff because he believes that the remains that were found in the grave are not homes because of the stature uh, uh, of the measurements didn't add up. So I was like, well, you know, with technology today, what they do is sometimes, especially if they find remains of a missing person, um, they will do a facial reconstruction. They'll build a face around the bone structure of the skull, and you get a better picture of what they actually look like and they've actually you know family has claimed these remains by those uh pictures that they have done um but it is highly expensive uh i don't know if that's something you would still want to pursue jeff to see if actually the actual skull that was in the grave could resemble 
H.H. H. Holmes because you have photographs of him. We know what he looks like. But then again, are the pictures, are you for sure the pictures that you have of H.H. H. Holmes, is that your actual relative? Or do you think he could have put a, uh, somebody else claiming to be H.H. H. Holmes in photos that have been, you know, publicized, you know, and that's in the public records? You bring up, you bring up great points. And as I, ex I try to explain to the, the audiences I talked before, with Holmes, anything is possible. There are, mm -hmm. If there's a scheme that, that could be created, he would have thought of it. And when I went to the University of Pennsylvania, the anthropologists there who were appointed by the court to identify the remains, I, I asked them, I said, listen, the DNA isn't a match. The skeleton is six inches too short. There's no trauma to the neck from a hanging. At what point are you guys going to say, we don't know who it is? And they said, well, wait, Jeff, we are trying to put together a facial reconstruction in 3D of the remains, comparing it to the photos of Holmes. And I, as, as you stated, I think it's a very expensive exercise, mm -hmm. which I, I don't know how it's being funded. It's certainly not being funded out of my pocket. Mm-hmm. So what about a GoFundMe page for that kind of thing? Wouldn't that that'd be great? I'd I'd love for the you know the the viewers of American Ripper who like me were shocked that final episode when when history came up with this conclusion that said the DNA matched and and I'm sitting there watching it, Tom, and I'm saying, where, where did they get that? Mm -hmm. I I was on the show. Where did they get that? And I called the scientists at the UPenn, and they had no idea where it came from. So. I would love to see some form of debate that maybe the U, the U Penn and I could, would, could talk to a crowd and go back and forth on the evidence because I'm convinced it wasn't him. I'm convinced he escaped execution, and he went on to be the creature that he was but with a blank check. Luckily, there's no chance he's alive today, though. <laughs> We're really no, lucky. No, no. He, he, he's... Uh, we're looking at it. I'll tell you, I'll give you something which I haven't revealed before. We are looking at a grave outside of San Diego right now, which was attended by a number of very high members of the Freemasons. Oh, yeah. And, and the body there and the uh, details surrounding it are very suspicious. And we've got a, my father and I and a private investigator are re going back in time researching the man who's supposedly there. And see, one of the things that's great about your show is if I can convince the judge that allowed us to exhume the H.H. Holmes gravesite in, in Pennsylvania that we were right that it wasn't him, I can get another judge in California to let me dig this other grave up to check those DNA. Ooh. And that's, that's, that's kind of like steps like that you need to take in that, in this type of investigation. And, uh, you know, there's, I get contacted by other cable networks all the time about continuing on with this. I'd really like to see history step up to the plate and do the right thing and continue mm -hmm. the investigation. They, they did such a great job on before but um as so far i haven't been able to get them to to uh commit do you do you think the other cable networks that talk to you don't have the budget to do it properly absolute history was is the big player yeah, obviously yeah. with a and e behind, behind them and then 
they'd have to get history's permission to go forward with oh, it because yeah. history owns the story. And as you know, the politics involved in New York City television are immense. Oh, God, yes. <laughs> yes, we do know about the politics involved in media. <laughs> we know all about that. Speaking of politics in the media, I didn't know that there is another descendant of H.H. H. Holmes that we might have heard of. Really? According to Jeff. Who? Meghan Markle. What? what? Oh, is that yeah, right? She's, she's actually related. We're related. Yeah, I did a show for an NBC uh, London, and it was disappointing because I thought it was going to be more historic than it was, and it turned out to be a Saturday Night Live deal. Oh, yeah. And which was, I had no intention of hurting her feelings like that at all. And yeah. um, it taught me a number, it taught me a number of lessons about, about things. And, um, cause I think she's a great young lady and I think their marriage is incredible and I hope it lasts forever. Cause really funny. She got, she got yelled at because she actually opened or closed a car door. They don't want her doing that kind of, God. it's hilarious. Don't open the car. Don't close that car door. It's beneath a princess, I guess, to, to close a car door. Oh, for the love of You can't of be mine. doing that stuff. So have you ever spent, uh, uh, did you know, first of all, how long have you known that you were related to Meghan Markle? I got a phone call from NBC London. Oh, you they, did? Uh, yeah. Yeah, and they, they let me know. I did some, I uh, called my father, who's big into genetics and uh, family trees. Oh, yeah. We, we ran it back. We ran it back, and lo and behold, it was true. And then they said, hey, we're flying over. You know, we're flying over. We'd like to do some filming with you. And uh, I said, okay, okay, this is, this is fun. I, I had these visions of going to, you know, to the castle one day, you know. Sure. And uh, as I think everyone, if they were honest, would admit to. But uh, it turned out, like I said, to be a sad, a sad event, and I and I hope it didn't hurt her feelings too much. Yeah, that is really too bad that the, the people do take advantage of that stuff. You know, it's interesting uh, tracing back DNA ancestry and all the rest of it. Um, one of mem members of my family did that whole thing and traced our family all the way back. We found out that the origination of uh, the Barnard family in America, at least the one that I'm from is because there was one other guy named Tom Bernard, and he was deported. <laughs> That's why we came to America. So I don't have any great glory in my past as far as relatives are concerned. It just doesn't happen. Well, you, don't, you, don't have, you don't have a serial killer either. Well, that's true. I don't have a serial killer. Well, well, as far as we don't really know much past, like, that's what, true. your dad's dad? No, no. That, that Tom Tom Bernard was a uh, he was hunting on the on the king's land or something. Oh, yeah. So they deported him. <laughs> you cannot do. Yep. Breaking the law. Breaking the law. <laughs> exactly. I, that stuff is fascinating. I could see why your father is big into that whole deal because that when did that start? I mean, not as necessarily a, a product to be sold on television, but that kind of DNA testing began what about thirty years ago? Thirty five. I don't even know when it began. Do you know, Jeff, when when all the DNA testing? Was uh, that could let me put it this way? It could be counted on uh, the the no, not thirty five. I think it's closer to like maybe twenty. Is it really twenty years? Because yeah, I mean, is even during it? the OJ Simpson, yeah, that's that true, was yeah. still that's like right. new mm -hmm. new science. That's and true. They basically looked at it as garbage science. Yeah, they thought it was like wizardry. They were like, "Yeah, what's that?" So you can you can get a good laugh out of this one, Jeff. I did see a quote from OJ Simpson today. 
And O.J. Simpson said, Bill Cosby's going to have a tough time in prison because they don't like rapists in there. Oh, murderers are okay, though. <laughs> Apparently yeah. murderers are okay. Murderers but... are a dime a dozen. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. <laughs> but he actually said Bill Cosby would be treated poorly because they don't like rapists in prison. The whole thing is, is rather I, amazing. It's, uh, that's quite a story, and it's... I actually, you know what, guys? I think it's something to celebrate. Here's a guy. What's he worth? Five, six hundred million dollars. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. But he, he's he's going to prison, just like a poor guy like you or I would. Yeah. If we had committed those crimes, and I think I think America's unique in that fashion. No, I think you're right about that. I think in a lot of countries, if you had that much money, you could do whatever the hell you wanted. Nobody'd bother you. I mean, they might say, "Hey, stop doing that." But you'd never have to pay the price for doing it. I think you're absolutely right about that. Or like in China, if you're wealthy enough, you can pay a body double to go to prison for you. That's true. Really? Yep. (laughs) You pay someone who looks enough like you to go to prison in your place, and no one will ever know. Because no one cares. I had a friend who taught English in a Cambodian prison. He was like traveling oh, the world every day out of college. And I guess if you're if you get thrown in prison in Cambodia, you can bring your family with you. <laughs> what? Can, like, like, move into prison? Like, family goes. They just sort of like, camped in this gee, big thanks, prison. Dad. Yeah, thanks, Dad. I get to go to prison with you. That's wonderful. You're on your own. Yeah, I. It's, <laughs> you guys know the old. You guys know the old saying: "Home is home." Right? Yeah. yeah, home is home. That's very, very true. But by the way, if I ever had to get a body double to go to prison for me, I, I don't think I'd be able to do it anymore because Alex Karras is the only I could, I could think of. <laughs> no, you could have Troy do it. Well, Troy doesn't look anything like me. Well, he did. Tony Tony looks more like me than anybody in the family. You I think, think so? I think so. Yeah, no, not well, anymore. Well, not now, no. But, uh, you know, what they're talking about, Jeff, is I'm rather lithe compared to I, – I just lost 92 and a half pounds. Wow, that's uh, that's something to celebrate. That you know, to lose that much shows the discipline you've got in your life and and the courage that it took. I'm I'm uh, I admire that. Well, they also paid me to do it. I have to be totally honest. Well. With you. <laughs> no, it, it worked out really really well. It's a great program, and but it's just it's really interesting how in life. You could change that much. I mean, I wonder how many people out there have perpetrated these horrendous crimes and they could change your appearance so much that you'd never know it was the same person. People don't even know who I am. A lot of people I've known Mm -hmm. a long time, they run into me, they they have no idea who I am. So think about that. I should have, I wasted my shot. I could have killed a couple people and then lost the weight. Second career is murdering corporate. Murdering Tom. Yes, that would be good. You know, Jeff, I don't. Do you ever wake up at night in the middle of the night and go, I wonder if I have that way, way buried deep down in my brain to go out and kill someone? Do you ever have to think about things like that? Holy cow, what a question. (laughs) Well, I'll ask you what. I'll I'll tell you. Okay, uh, okay, okay, here we go. Yes. Yeah, of course you did. Yes, I, yes. I, uh, I, I, you know what? I, I realized there were idiosyncrasies about my character sure. long before my grandfather told me the secret. Mm-hmm. I, I wasn't, I wasn't, I never followed through with impulses that I had, but I knew I was different. And when he told me the <laughs> truth, <laughs> it went bingo. I, and I, <laughs> I got to tell you, it, it made it changed my life. It changed my yeah. life. I set away. I set aside my. I set aside my career in law and decided I wanted to I wanted to, to find out which of these stories were true and which were baloney. Mm-hmm. And uh, the the digger the 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 deeper I dig, 
uh, the more strange the story gets, and, I, and I'm convinced it's not over yet. I would suspect, though, that those thoughts are pretty common. I don't oh, yeah, think that's I think unusual so. at all. I think that's probably mm-hmm. true. They're called intrusive thoughts. Intrusive thoughts. Yep. Um, Jeff, the reason I asked you that question is that my father has been dead now for 30, God, 35 years, something like that. Mm-hmm. And I remember the first, like, 20 years of my life, my parents were carefully watching me to see oh, if I yeah. would start hallucinating. My, my father was schizophrenic. Um, yeah. And to this day, and I'm not kidding you, Jeff, so I know exactly what you think, but uh, we're sitting watching Catherine, my lovely wife, and I were watching uh, The Good Doctor, uh, a recording of it on ABC, and it was glitchy, but it was in a way that you just, if you weren't paying attention, you might not have seen it glitch, do you think, mm-hmm. Catherine? Yeah. So the whole time I'm watching this glitch, and it was just these little slight movements, yeah. and about halfway in I said... Catherine, you do see this the, the digital break in this, don't you? And she goes, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Because I thought, oh, my God, the schizophrenia has hit me at this late Finally, date. yeah. That's a, <laughs> damn. If you make it past about 25 or 30, you're not going to get pretty schizophrenia. Good. That's yeah. very, very true. Jeff, you're a tremendous yeah, you, know, you know, you know where, You know where I get it is when I'm in a debate with someone over Holmes or the Ripper, and, and, they, and they touch a nerve that, that sets me off a little bit. I I think under my breath as I, I look as I look at them. Do you know who you're talking to? <laughs> Want to come to my mansion? Exactly, Jeff. You yeah. got to come back soon. I love talking to you, Jeff Mudgett, ladies and gentlemen. The book bloodstainsthebook.com. Jeff Mudgett. You got to get back on TV. It, you want me to go talk to History Channel? Please, please, oh. I'd appreciate that. They'll go over there and twist their arm. You're a good man. Thank you. Hey, for your you time. guys. Did you guys? Did you guys hear where my co-host ended up? No. no, Amaryllis. No, she married. She married Robert Kennedy the third. She's now American royalty. Oh, really? Oh, I didn't know that. Absolutely, absolutely. Now Robert Kennedy the third. Which is which one's the guy that has this the speech uh, problem? That's one of the Robert Kennedys. No, no, no. That's his. That's his father. That's his that's dad. His father, okay, yeah. okay, yeah. Because that guy, you feel so sorry for him. He has a very hard time speaking. Yeah. It's really too bad. All right, young man, you got to come back soon. We need to talk more often. I'd love to. Thank just, you. just give me a ring and I, I'll be available. You're a good man. Thank you, sir. Jeff Mudgett, ladies and gentlemen, thanks for listening. Tom Bernard Show.